Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, October 21st, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Got a good show for you today. Michigan State football off the bye week, back in action this weekend against Penn State. I want to talk about the opening line in that game, the Vegas spread that has come out. Very interesting. And I think very surprising, and I think there's a lot of information we can uh, glean from that. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how Michigan State somehow lost the bye week (laughs) in the first segment. We'll go through it just real quick here in segment one. And then segments two and three will be with Stephen Brooks from 247sports.com. Really good conversation with him, wide-ranging. We talk about recruiting. We talk about transfers, we talk about where the D'Antonio era is right now, and just his feel uh, being around the program as much as he is. Uh, Really good conversation with him. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into this episode. Okay, so uh, bye week. Michigan State on the bye week. As much as you can lose a bye week, Michigan State lost the bye week. Uh, Man, after getting trucked by Illinois, it would have been real nice. Or after getting trucked by Wisconsin, it would have been real nice had the Badgers gone to Champaign and just, you know, responsibly handled their business uh, against Illinois and just confirmed the fact that they were a bona fide top 10 team, top 5-ish team heading toward this mega showdown with Ohio State this weekend, but that was not to be. The Badgers laid a giant egg. Illinois really uh, outplayed them for most of the game. Lost guys to injuries, the Illini did, um, and still were able to just keep bouncing back and making plays, and they knock off Wisconsin in the biggest upset of the year in college football uh, based on point spread, a 30.5 point spread, I think it was. So huge win for Illinois, and a really tough L for Wisconsin, tough loss for the Big Ten, and a bad, bad look for Michigan State coming off that absolute handling at the hands of Wisconsin, 38 to nothing, and yeah, you know, Wisconsin trap game, there's a million different things, like we're not doing the transitive property here, and like, oh, well, Illinois beat Wisconsin, that means Illinois can beat Michigan State by 30, we're not doing that, it's just, man, on a bye week, you just want like <laughs> your your future opponents to win and look good, your your past opponents to win and look good, and you know, Ohio State does it. That's nice. Wisconsin gets crushed, not crushed, but gets beat by a team that's had no business playing with them. Arizona State gets handled by Utah, shows they are just not ready to be at the top of the Pac-12, so that makes your loss to them even worse. Then you look at Western Michigan <laughs> getting beat by Eastern, and you're like, man, That's a tough bye week for Michigan State. Uh, Luckily, Penn State won, and that's nice because uh, they'll be top six or so. I think there's six in both polls coming into Spartan Stadium, and Michigan State has a massive, massive opportunity in front of them with Penn State coming into town in a game that, believe it or not, looks like they might be able to win. Um, And let's transition right into that. Uh, Vegas spread comes out for this game, and... I think a lot of people were thinking double digits, 10 to 13, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit more given Michigan State's looked pretty bad of late. Penn State knocks off with uh, Michigan 
uh, is undefeated on the season and, and is looking uh, at times really good, certainly. At times a little bit inconsistent as well, but uh, a young, talented team that is kind of an upstart, if you will, and can play with kind of anyone, right? Have enough talent to hang around, and if they could put it all together for 60 minutes, they'd be a hell of a team. And they just haven't shown the ability to do that. But still, they're they're undefeated, top six in the country, coming into Spartan Stadium against a 4-3 and three Michigan State team coming off two absolute butt kickings at the hands of Ohio State and Wisconsin. And so you look at that from a, a broad perspective and you're like, all right, two touchdowns, 12 points, 13 points, two touchdowns. Nope. The spread opens up, as you can hear my dog itching <laughs> behind me. Quiet. Um, nope, the, the spread does not open up as a two touchdowns. It opens up right around seven, six and a half and seven in most spots. And immediately is hammered by the public and continues to drop. The line as of recording right now, and it's you know just after midnight here, Monday morning, the spread is five and a half and 80% of public bets are on Penn State. So if you're unfamiliar with sort of what that means, it means the number of bets, say there's 100 bets placed, 80% of them are in Penn State, 20% are in Michigan State. Now that's not the money percentage. We don't have the money percentage at the moment, but the fact that the spread opened up at six and a half or seven and has come into a, a more favorable spot for Penn State is really interesting because that means that the sharp money, the big bets, the huge bets have already come in on Michigan State. That is what we call sharp money. And when you get a situation where the line keeps moving towards a team, so this line, it makes it easier. Think of it this way. It has become throughout the day so far on Sunday and into Monday night or into Monday morning here, it has become easier and easier to bet on Penn State. Penn State is a more appealing pick having to cover seven is harder than having to cover five and a half. And at the same time, 80% of people are betting on Penn State, which is the opposite of what should be happening. If a ton of people and a ton of money is coming in on Penn State, the line's going to go the other way. So MSU is getting up to eight, nine, 10 points to try to even those numbers. But since all these public bets are on Penn State and the line is going the other way, that is called reverse line movement. And it is a huge indicator. I've written about this before. It's a huge indicator of public or of uh, sharp money of professional gamblers, because professional gamblers always bet big. And if eighty percent of the bets are on Penn State and eighty percent of the money is on Michigan State, which honestly it's probably like sixty-seven, sixty-five percent of the money right now is on Michigan State. That means. There is a massive discrepancy in the size of bets being placed on each team. It's like all of the sharp money right now is going on Michigan State and none is going on Penn State. And if this continues, if big money gamblers keep putting money on Michigan State and the public keeps betting on Penn State, that number is going to continue to fall towards zero. And if it gets to like a spot where it's like Penn State minus four, Penn State minus three and a half, like that is huge. That is when you consider an undefeated Penn State team, number six in the country should be a double digit favorite easy playing against a four and three team that is in a tailspin. Like let's not 
like things are not good right now. Michigan State is absolutely backed into a corner, needing to rally to save their season. And like all these indicators are coming out that they are the bet that people who know what they're doing, people who make a living doing this, people who bet huge money on these games are coming in on Michigan State. And that is really intriguing. And I'm not, I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked. I thought it would open up higher. And when it opened up where it did, I immediately had my interest peaked and I wanted to see how it moved. And when it moved down to Penn State minus five and a half and all these bets, it was 88% of the bets earlier uh, Sunday evening, 88% of public bets were on Penn State at one point and the line dropped despite that. Now it looks like some people have wised up. Some of the public has started to put money on Michigan State and that is the absolute right way to go. And with it this severe, with this huge of a discrepancy and the line still moving this early, like that leads me to believe some really smart people think Michigan State not only can cover, but can absolutely win this game outright. And so if you're someone who wants to do this, wants to get into this sort of thing, I think you can absolutely grab those points right now. Um, We'll see. It may get back up to seven somewhere in there. You can try to wait it out, but it may also go down to four, uh, just given how it's already been bet. Regardless, the line is going to be sharper and sharper throughout the week. If you want to grab those points, do it. I also think it's not a bad idea to just grab that money line right now. Michigan State's plus 180 to win this game outright. Um, based on these indicators, based on what the people who know more about college football than I do, or you do, who, whose lives, whose living, whose ability to eat depend on knowing this stuff better than anybody else. They're really saying like, Hey, Michigan State's got a really good chance to win this game. And if you take into account Penn State coming off a huge emotional win. It's a big letdown spot. They got to travel on the road after playing a night game at home. That's always a tough spot for college kids. The recent history, Michigan State has absolutely had Penn State's number. As of late, the inconsistency that Penn State has shown, Michigan State's ability on defense, still, still there. It's still there. They haven't been great the last couple of weeks, but it's still absolutely there. Like, We could be looking at a 17-14 type game for sure. And Michigan State at home absolutely has shown the ability to win games like that. Now it defies a little bit of what this team has done at times this year. But again, and we're going to talk about this with Steven in a minute. He mentions it like this isn't like uh, trying to save a chance at the Big Ten. This isn't winning a game to try to win the Big Ten where there's pressure. This is like we're backed into a corner. Michigan State's backed into a corner absolutely having to throw their best shot after not playing for a week to salvage any sort of season they have. Because if they lose this game, it could go into a tailspin pretty quickly. Now, whether or not you have enough confidence in this team to use these indicators and actually put a wager on it, that's a whole other thing. I don't blame you if you don't, but that is just all, everything I'm saying here really isn't opinion. It's all based on principles of sports betting, how to look at lines, how to look at spreads, how to evaluate a number against your preconceived uh, conceptions or preconceived, whatever, against the conceptions that you hold about these teams and how you can sort of mine that information for 
good solid nuggets and indicators of how a game might go and just based on the early betting on this like it's a really interesting spot for Michigan State and they from the looks of it are gonna have a real shot to win this weekend that's at least what the people who again make a living doing this seem to think so that's uh interesting and I, I think unexpected on this Monday morning uh that type of gambling action around Michigan State all right We'll pause for just a second so I can get to my sheet and tell you what we're going to talk about next. Stephen Brooks, 24-7 Sports, he is joining the show. We'll talk about recruiting, transfers, and a million other different things as it relates to Michigan State. So we'll do that here in just a minute. All right, I am pleased to be joined now by Stephen Brooks from 247sports.com, regular guest of the show, friend of the pod, I think we can say, Stephen uh, how you doing today? Thanks right. so much for making time. Absolutely. No, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just did a little uh, local TV up here in Lansing, and uh, now I'm on with you, uh, which is an even bigger honor, of course. So, you know, I'm <laughs> just trying to, uh, you know, sharpen all my tools in the bag here. Do not let Jack Ebling hear that. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you're good because I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to the show. Um, but, yeah, don't insult that man like that. He might. He never sleeps. You know, he's got to occupy his time with all sorts of stuff. He honestly yeah. might. So, hey, Jack. <laughs> he is. He's a lifelong just grinder. Um, mad respect to him just on that front alone. Um, no well, good. I'm glad you're getting your TV hits in. We'll keep your podcast stuff. You know, keep your your muscles sharp there. So when you're doing radio and stuff and filling in there, you're good there. And of course, your writing is always solid, and we don't need to worry about me helping you out with that. Um, Let's talk about some Michigan State stuff, huh? Okay. Sure. Unless you want to talk Fortnite or video games. I was going to say, I didn't know you played. Um, you know, when, when Lockdown Video Games comes out, I, w- I want to be first in line to be your co-host. So I would. I just want I to would, throw that out there. Oh, I would, would love Lockdown, Lockdown Esports. I've been, I push for like new shows. Sometimes I'll send off emails like, hey, what about a show like this? Lockdown Esports is a, a space we need to go. I'd be bad at it, but I'd eventually figure it out. Um. Yeah, Stephen uh, and I were texting here just a minute ago before he came on, and I told him he was running a little late. I said, it's no big deal. I was playing Fortnite with my friends, um, so we're good. Yeah, we just had a 26-kill uh, squad win, so that was pretty good. That's the oh my. total flute game. Um, never happened again. Hey. We got lucky. But, yeah, it was a nice <laughs> high note that we ended on. Um, let's talk about some Michigan State stuff. Coming off the bye week here, I hope you had a nice sort of week off, a little bit more relaxed. Um, let's talk about a commitment Michigan State secured right uh, about a week ago with Jordan Simmons, a running back out of Georgia. Uh, has a really nice offer list. Um, seems to be a pretty well-regarded recruit. Uh, what do Michigan State fans need to know about this guy? How big of a commitment was this for Michigan State? Yeah, it's a big deal on surface just alone because he's the first and only running back, and that was one of the very big, you know, glaring holes in this class uh, as yeah. it's currently assembled. You know, quarterbacks out there, running back was one as well, though. It's like they definitely need a guy there. And now that they've lost two in the transfer portal, you're probably looking at two um, in this class, you know, in, in this cycle, you know, whether that's another high school kid or an older transfer or a walk-on that you really like. Um, so that alone crossed off a big need um, for the class. And, that, yeah, like you said, he had some really impressive offers. Um, West Virginia, uh, LSU, Florida, I believe, um, you know, some big-time schools. And so 
I first saw him when he was at camp this summer. He came to Michigan State's camp, and there was a, there was kind of a, some buzz about him. It was like, oh, you know, ooh, 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 there's this kid from Georgia here. Oh, did you hear about this? This, this guy came up here from Georgia. You know, because MSU's camps are still uh, pretty regional for the most part in terms of who mm-hmm. attends. So for him to come up on his own dime uh, was important and a, and a big deal. And so shortly after that, uh, Michigan State really put the heat on him. And um, I think the coaching staff really impressed him. Um, talking with him and people around uh, close to him, it seems like uh, – they really felt a genuineness there, and that's something that he was really looking for. And, again, obviously there's a need. So, um, you know, he's a straight-line speed type of guy. That's really his calling card. Uh, he, you know, he gets north and south, and he just goes and outruns people. Um, you know, not the biggest guy. He's not going to smash somebody in the hole and, and get five more yards after contact probably, but an uh, explosive player. And for a Michigan State offense that needs all the speed it can get, it's a big pickup, I think, in that regard. Yeah, for sure. I think I saw you ran like a four, three, five or something at MSU's camp, which is hand time, of course, but it still seems like he is someone with a little bit of burst there. Um, in a similar sort of regard, uh, the transaction area of college football, Michigan State has lost a number of players to transfer in just the last couple of weeks, a lot of backups on the offensive side of the football. For me, I think the only thing that would bring concern with this is the fact that now you are um, going into next season with additional slots, additional scholarship spots open in a class that's kind of coming together slowly and a little bit lower ranked than D'Antonio and company are used to bringing in. Um, but other than that, like I'm not worried about, you know, guys leaving or, or anything, you know, rats jumping off a sinking ship or anything like that. It's just older guys getting beat out by younger players. What is your take on the transfers? Are there any concerns that fans need to have with this mass exodus from the depth chart for Michigan State. Yeah, I, th- I think I kind of stand where you are, basically. I mean, these until there, there hasn't been a really uh, a departure yet that makes you really jump out of your seat and go, whoa, you know, they're screwed. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. oh, no, like, how could they lose this guy? Um, no offense to those players, but like you said, they'd all mostly been passed up or just there wasn't a clear path to legitimate playing time or, you know, the role that they had was pretty small or non-existent. Um, so you don't really, you know, I don't think the program's on fire from that sense, uh, you know, in the sense that they're not losing guys who are main contributors or, or bright pieces for the future yet or anything like that. Um, so, you know, it just kind of is what it is. Attrition is going to happen everywhere. And, yeah, like you said, on the back end, you can use those scholarships. You know, these are clearly guys who are sort of on the fringe or out of the picture in regards to the program and its trajectory and its goals. So you can use those scholarships uh, now and go get some young guys that you really like. The other side of that is, you know, the recruiting isn't going great, uh, at least in close to where it was uh, in previous years. So just because you have more cracks at it, you know, do you really trust these coaches to go get good players? Or are they even able to get good players once they identify them? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's two sides to everything. Do you think the transfer market is going to be more of an option for Michigan State adding players? Because um, I think it was at a press conference um, maybe around week four where D'Antonio mentioned, he was asked about it. And I believe he said something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, the, it's new. We haven't really been a, a team that hunts in the transfer market too much, but it's an avenue we might have to explore more moving forward. Um, you can correct me if you remember it differently, but I think he said something along those lines. Do you think Michigan State could really look to add three, four guys in this transfer market with all these spots coming open? Maybe I, I just it just the whole thing seems so, and I just I don't I don't remember that exact line from him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't back you up there. No, you're good. Uh, I'm sure you know, you're sure you have it right or close to right, close enough that the point's across. Um, 
the I, I just don't think it's just so un-Dantonio like, yeah. un-Michigan State like, you know, because you know, I was just taping the show with Darren Harris, and he was just talking about the biggest thing in his opinion that those 13, 14, 15 teams had was chemistry and accountability and a true, genuine love and respect for each other. So I mean that that runs in the face of all that. Can a guy come in and fit in and and be a part of all that, or maybe even grow that stuff? Sure, but for the most part, that's kind of hard to do. You know, that's just it just goes against their culture to bring in somebody from the outside and sort of you know give the shoulder to your guys that you're developing in house. Um, you know, they rely so much on that culture and that mindset that they foster over multiple years, and that's kind of the ethos of the program: is you wait your turn for the most part, you get better. You learn from mistakes, and then you have your shot later on, and you're expected to perform well as a senior. Um, so I just, I think that they'll probably address it once a big need, you know, in an emergency type situation. Um, you have to stay abreast of it. You know, you're you're not doing your job if you're not aware of who's in there and what's going on. I don't think there'll be regular players, though. Honestly, under D'Antonio, I really don't. Unless, uh, like I said, it's some kind of emergency situation. You lose a QB commit like on December second or something like that, and then you're really scrambling. I think it'll be mm-hmm. a situation like that. Yeah. And just as you were saying that, I was just picturing in my mind someone listening to this show who's a little bit frustrated right now, yelling in their head, well, maybe we should, or something along the lines of like, well, maybe that culture needs a little bit of a shift. Maybe it's time to update it. Just in line with the, I don't know, the question that D'Antonio was asked about the changes and how that's played out in the offseason and the coaching shuffle. Um, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I tend to think that that is the route that D'Antonio will go. But he did add Jaden Reed here in this last one. We'll see if it's an avenue that if he is uh, going to continue forward, like if that's a, a route they can go, because it's certainly uh, a spot that's becoming more and more popular here with the advent of the transfer portal. Okay, let's pause for just a second. We'll be right back with more from Steven. We'll actually shift our focus to the actual Michigan State team. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and to take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit with free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash locked. Okay, let's jump into the second part of our conversation with Stephen Brooks of 247sports.com. Let's uh, let's talk about the actual team. What is your feel of this group right now? They're four and three, two absolutely brutal losses, back-to-back blowouts at the hands of two really good teams on the road, um, and really a, a kind of a no-show type performance against Wisconsin. Really something you, you're not used to seeing under D'Antonio in big spots. What is your feel for where they're at right now, the team sort of morale and just kind of how things have played out uh, through seven weeks and then as we move through the bye week here? Yeah, it's it's super hard to gauge, um, especially, you know, we haven't been with the team in a minute. You know, they didn't do anything on the bye week for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't really say I know for sure where it is. I'm curious to know, you know, just as much as everybody else. Um, I, I think uh, – yeah, I thought they would compete with and maybe even beat Wisconsin, you know, so shame on me. I guess I look like a fool. I, but, uh, I, well, I thought, I thought they had it the too. Matchup there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not I the only they one. I think be competitive <laughs> with Penn State. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, maybe fool me twice, you know, I don't know. But um, I still think that they can come out firing and be competitive with Penn State. I'm not sure they'll win it, but I, I can definitely see a, a, a scenario where they compete and or win for sure. Um, you know, coming off Ohio State, you had that, oh, I'm mad, we just lost our biggest goals type of anger. 
like the biggest dreams we had are probably out the window. So I'm a little mad about that. Let me go take it out. Now I think it's even, I think they've got sort of an even stronger motivation in the sense of, Hey, now people think we stink, you know, uh, we need to play for some pride and, and show what, you know, that we actually care about this program and where it's headed and where it's at. Um, I think that's all stronger maybe even of a motivator than, than just, Oh, you know, our big dreams are out the window. I think, um, like I said, just that playing for pride, you know, quite honestly, just, mm-hmm. just having some pride in yourself and, and showing people that, hey, we're not this deadbeat team that we looked like uh, as of late. I think that's going to be a big deal. And uh, yeah, I think the bye week did come at a good time, even though I feel like that a lot of that stuff's pretty cliche. But I do think it was good to sort of reset and not sort of not have to bask in the uh, errors and mistakes as much and uh, just sort of reset mentally. Do you think this is, I don't know, like the next few weeks feel really, even though, the they're out of the Big Ten race and you know they can get to nine wins in theory and you know get a bowl win at ten like they could get to ten wins still although it's a long shot the the stakes aren't there but doesn't it feel like it's just a hugely important next few weeks just with like the future of the program the feel I know you know if I'm hearing rumors about D'Antonio's future I know you are hearing them too as well because you are more plugged in and better informed than I am like it just feels like a lot's at stake, doesn't it? Yeah, this specific game, I mean, and maybe that'll seem foolish in December. You know, if they lose this, you'll go, oh, you know, the dominoes started going with Ohio State. I mean, and they just got beat and beat and beat. But yeah. I feel like this specific game really is a inflection point, honestly, because like you said, you win this one, you're feeling good, you know you can beat a good team. I, I really, I really don't think there's much, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking too soon, but I don't think there's that much concern about whether they could be in Maryland, um, Indiana, Illinois, rather, and Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to pencil those, maybe even, you know, pen those in as wins. But if you can beat Penn State, then, you you know, then you've got a shot to do something decent, uh, like you said. And you, you want to end the year with at least one decent pelt on the wall at this point, you know. And if you lose to Penn State, you lose to Michigan, you got nothing. Yeah. You know, lose to Penn State, you beat Michigan, eh, that's okay. People still aren't happy, but. You know, you sort of have that one moment at least. You got one, you know, pelt up on the wall, like I said, you can point to. Because um, if they go out and win, you know, go 10 and 3, 10 and 2, 10 and 3, uh, 10 and 3, I'm sorry, at the end of the year, people aren't going to, you know, they're going to say they lost to the best teams, which will be true. But you could also say you knocked off one or two along the way. And, you know, hey, you know, only one or two teams are really happy at the end of the year. You know, the, the mid-major that goes undefeated and plays above their weight and then the national champ probably. Yeah. So, you know, people are going to be upset. But, um, hey, like I said, I think uh, get, you want to get, like, you, you want to at least have something good that you can point to from this season. And if you lose to every team you played with that has a pulse and you're, you know, you're just getting these wins over Illinois and Rutgers, no one's going to feel good about that. Yeah, it would be really almost a replica of last season, which will be incredibly frustrating. And then just given the lack of changes as well, like that is things are really compounding. If they go bad, things are going to keep compounding in terms of, why didn't you make changes? Why is this still happening? And it's just going to keep going down the line. And there's going to be a lot of uh, really unpleasant noise uh, around the program. Last thing here, Stephen Brooks, 247sports.com is with us. If you were just uh, someone listening to this show right now, um, put yourself there. Imagine you're a listener to this show, a fan of the the program, a big fan of the program. Where that would you me. be at? That is you. There you go. <laughs> Where would you be at, like, concern-wise? Like, it, it, like scale of 1 to 10, it, it feels like sometimes we're jumping overboard way too early. 
And then you take a step back and look at it from a broad view and you're like, well, there's pretty good reason to be jumping off here. Like you don't want to bail and be like, ah, D'Antonio can't do it anymore. But there's some evidence that suggests that might be possible. Kind of where are you at on the concern meter? Yeah, so I think I default uh, just because of my job. I default to sort of, um, you know, the what do I want to say? The the neutralish stand, sure. you know, yeah. just in terms of uh, I don't want to go extreme either way. I try very hard not to do that in any situation. But yeah, that being said, I mean, you know, I think there's legitimate concern. Quite honestly, uh, you know, if I'm being honest with you and your listeners and everything, uh, the number on it, I mean, maybe a seven and a half ish, high seven, you know, something like that, because Look, I mean, Antonio is 63 years old. He's shown no willingness to overhaul his staff in a major way. None, you know. Uh, and it has not worked yet. Um, recruiting, you know, for whatever you think about recruiting, you know, the type of classes Michigan State has typically brought in, they're not bringing in one of those right now at this, you know, the way things are projected right now. This is a team, this is a class that's ranked lower by a decent margin, not a ton, yeah, but it's... it is ranked lower. So, you yeah, know, what the, do you, what, what, sorry, I was just go going to say like the normal class, 25 to 30 in the nation, somewhere four or five in the big 10, this one's like 48th in the nation and 11th in the big 10. So that, those are the gaps you're kind of looking at with recruiting. Right. And so, and I don't, you know, you know, like I said, we'll say what you want about recruiting rankings and stuff, but if you just, if you blindly think, Oh, that next big Antonio run, it's, it's right there on the corner. He always does this maybe, but he's also going to be doing it with some players who, weren't as highly recruited, you know, weren't as good players coming out. Of so basically you're banking on the turnaround. The program has very little momentum on the field, off the field, recruiting, you know, there's not much swinging in the right direction. And then the players you're bringing in now year over year are getting worse for the most part uh, in terms of the recruiting rankings. So you're asking D'Antonio to turn it around with players who aren't as good who, like, that got him there in the first place. And those players weren't even, you know, kids that Ohio State was banging down the door to play for him. So, you know, the upper crust of the Big Ten, they weren't those guys either. Now they're getting mm-hmm. players that aren't at even at that caliber. You're you're asking Antonio to pull the rabbit out of the hat with those guys. At his age, you know, and his unwillingness to fire coaches, to circle back, like, when you do put the whole combination together, I think there's a lot of troubling signs. I think it would be in his best interest to make sort of a definitive statement of, hey, I'm going to be here for a few years and sort of ease those concerns to recruits and others um, or say, this is it and get people, you know, get get the school a jump on the hiring process and uh, ensure a smooth transition and, um, and you know, the next person can get the recruits in order and keep that all together, but uh, mostly just for the university to get all their uh, things in order to get that pro- to get that search underway and to get it yeah. done early. Yeah, the, the ambiguity is really tough, and I've talked about this a number of times. Anything that can be done to get the ball rolling or information, like, just it happens all the time in terms of long tenures, historic tenures ending, and they don't handle it the right way because nobody wants to let go. But if it's like something that you can get a jump on, on the hiring process and make sure everyone's ducks are in a row, it can actually end up being a smooth transition. Uh, Like Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley is one that's an example because they kind of all were on the same page there. Not that that's going to be what happens here at Michigan state, but yeah, it's, it's the ambiguity regardless is not helping the situation because speculation and stuff like national writers are now getting asked about it and writing about it. So there's uh, a lot of stuff going on and you know what Um, they go out, 
sweep the rest of the season. D'Antonio says, I'm sticking around. Like it's as if none of it ever happened and the momentum is all back on their side. So it can be cured very quickly. And it starts this weekend with Penn State. Steven, thanks so much for the time. Check his workout, 247sports.com. Great friend of the show. Always appreciate you making time for us. Absolutely, man. Always appreciate you having me come on. I'll enjoy uh, talking with you and your folks. All right. Thanks again to Stephen for joining today's show. Great information, great insight, as always, from him. Thanks so much to you for listening to today's Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Hopefully, we'll have Matt Sheehan on. We'll do our usual thing. He's got to have some sort of aneurysm moment of the week, despite Michigan State being on a bye week. He always finds a way. And we're going to talk about some basketball stuff, too. It's coming. Basketball season's around the corner. we got a ton of content coming your way at Spartans Wire this week, spartanswire.usatoday.com. And also go there, spartanswire.usatoday.com, to check out my interview, my exclusive interview with the Land Grant Trophy. Yes, the actual Land Grant Trophy. You don't want to miss that. All right. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode, and we will see you then.